Good morning. It is such a blessing for me to bring you the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, as I was setting up for this message, I was just thinking on, and this gratitude just came to my heart for having technology where we can just sit. I mean, I can sit here in my studio and just bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to people all over the world. This message can be shared. Uh, people can just hear it. And it, it's just awesome. Nothing can stop it. It is so difficult for this message to stop. And the ease with which we can share it, it is just amazing, mind-boggling. Yesterday I was, or no, not yesterday, two, two days ago, somebody came to the studio and we, they, we were streaming from here. They're doing a conference and... Um, one person was sitting in Brazil, the other one was sitting in, <clears throat> not in Brazil, in Chile, the other one, I think British Virgin Islands or somewhere, and the other one uh, in America, and the other one here and there, all over the world. And a conference can be put together that way. And there's basically no costs involved in things like that. It is just so, so wonderful. Well, let's get into the message for today. just want to warn you. <coughs> I'm very excited. <laughs> the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of life is what I'm going to minister to you today. Uh, that which God has come to do for us. What I'm going to get into is the logic of the gospel. Why, um, why a physical grave? Why physical, why physical human body, death, resurrection, how does that pertain to ending sin in your life, and so forth? How does that pertain to everyday life, politics, news media, uh, the things we live with and have to deal with in this world? How, how come is it that uh, a physical resurrection from the grave is the answer to the problems of this world? Uh, and I want to say that again. Without the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. Or let me put it this way, there is no answer to the problems of this world. The, the world will go backwards and decay and cease to exist as prophesied by all the atheists. Uh, they will be right if it wasn't for a physical resurrection from the dead. The sad thing is that um, a lot of us in the church, we've even settled for that. We even say, oh, well, we agree, you know, this, this world is just not going to be anymore and we're going to go, go off to another place, not knowing that that very mentality, that very thought is the root of a lot of our problems in this world because we, have, we, we don't have a heart that is settled in eternal life. Glory to God. Well, before I get into the message, let us just pray together. Father, I want to thank you that you are the God of life. You are the God of all goodness, the God of all kindness, the God of all mercy. And you've come and you've expressed who you are in Jesus. And you've had a plan. You've had a creation in mind. And that has come forth in the resurrected Jesus. It's been inaugurated. It is part of us. We cannot get away from it. It is in us. It is around us. And thank you, Lord, that we can see it, believe upon it, and have a life born from it. Father, thank you that I can powerfully preach your gospel, the gospel of God today. Amen and amen. <clears throat> now, I would like to, um, like I said, we're going to look at the logic of the, just a simple logic of the gospel. 
And I want to start out by reading from Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Well, the title of the message is No Condemnation and what that truly means. Hebrews chapter 2 reads as follows. And again, um, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children of God that he has given unto me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Okay, so what he's saying here is in Hebrews is that mankind is called the children of God. He's called the friends of God. He's called children. But inasmuch as children partake in flesh and blood, he likewise took part of the same. What is, it, what is the context? Flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. That is, the, that is what Jesus partook of. And then it says that through death, now when he talks about death here, in the context in chapter 2, he talks obviously about the resurrection as well. Uh, he talks about his death and his resurrection. So he says here that man is physical, man has flesh and blood, and then we, he calls us his children, and um, since we are his children, he had to partake of flesh and blood uh, to conquer the death in flesh and blood so that we can be manifested as children of God, eternal, immortal beings that don't die. That is what he's talking about here. And some might say, Bertie, I don't want to hear about this message of eternal life anymore. Well, let me tell you something. You're going to hear it for eternity. Because that is the gospel. That is the good news. The gospel is the resurrection of Christ. And because of our lack on uh, understanding and knowing how to explain it and bring it to the body of Christ, we don't have to say that it is, or I mean, a shortcoming would be the right word, of explaining it in a powerful way that it makes sense doesn't mean that it is not the gospel. I've had several people say to me, Bertie, thank you for your message on the resurrection, but I don't see how it's relevant for us today. It is something that will happen to us in the future. But today, I'm going to teach on how it's relevant for today. Glory to God and how it is most relevant. And basically, uh, in a lack of understanding this, we will be tempted to go back to a Gnostic gospel, something that is not real, something that is not here, something that is not now, something that is powerless, something that cannot give any hope, where we will be condemned to the news media for our joy. Now that is a sad, sad state of affairs. Having your joy on the latest news report or the latest uh, doctor's report on the COVID and regulations and all those kind of things. I mean, who wants to find their joy? I mean, when we understand the message of the resurrections, I'm going to share right here from Hebrews 2.15. You're going to see that it is so relevant that you will realize that you are not condemned anymore to be happy when things go well in the world, but that you've got an eternal joy and for a very good reason, which is not mind over matter, but it is basically mind focused on the matter. Glory to God. 
It's not mind over matter, but it is mind not put on mortal matter, but immortal matter, which is the resurrected, glorified Jesus, which is our hope, which is the word of God about us, which is uh, the source of all life, which is the power of God, which is the one who pours out that which will also give immortality to our physical bodies, who is the source of the fruit of the Spirit. Mm. Glory to God. Amen. Now, I want to say this. The message of the resurrection is not a message. It's not just a message about a futuristic event when our bodies is gonna when our bodies will be raised from the grave as an afterthought. No. It is where everything starts. Salvation is declared in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And should Jesus not have been raised from the dead, we would have been dead in our sins, and according to Paul, that means you would die and never be again, like the atheists believe. That is Paul's, Paul's logic in 1 Corinthians 15. I want to just tell you this. I am unashamed of the gospel. I am not going to put any brakes on this message. I'm not going to try and please Matt. Just, just be ready for that. And if some of the things that I say offends you, um, blessed is he that is not offended because of Jesus and what he has done. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, let us read this passage here. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power over death, that is the devil. So what it means here is, he was destroying the works of the devil that was in man. Uh, he was destroying him uh, in being raised from the dead. And in doing that, it's, listen, this is how deliverance comes for the church and for mankind, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Man. Now, uh, Paul mentioned this, but let, let, let us just Extrapolate a bit. Let us just pull this thing apart. What is the Hebrew writer saying here? He says that God knew that the way wherein he would destroy the devil, the accuser, what the devil did in man, the way he will destroy that is by raising a man from the dead. So God calls mortal man his children, but there's no proof of sonship. The way we the way God then, what God then comes to do is, he becomes a mortal man, conquers death, and raises man to the right hand of God. From where Jesus rules in giving us the promise of eternal life as pertaining to our flesh, so that we can see we have eternal life. Now it says here, listen to this, let me read it again. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Through the fear of death, they were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So if you're afraid of death, talking about death here, physical death, and let me just put this in here as well. 
There's some people tell me I'm not afraid of death because I know I cannot die. I will be with Jesus after I've died. Now, that might be the case. It might be the case, but that is not what the gospel focuses on. We have got a definition of death which never deals with death. We always deal with where we live. If I tell you today, listen, man, you're going to move tomorrow. You're going to move from this city to another city. I mean, would that be an issue? You would say, no, that is not a problem. I'm going to leave this house or this tent or whatever you live in, and I'm moving into another one. And you will not have any fear if I tell you you're going to live in a better house in another place. I mean, you would even be happy, maybe. But if I tell you, listen, man, tomorrow you're going to (laughs) die. It's something different. It's not about where you're going to live. It's about death. That is what it's about. And what the scripture says here is that humanity is caught in fear for death and that God analyzed the problem and he looked at what the issue is at hand and he said that the issue is death and that people are afraid to die and that they were in bondage all their lifetime in fear of death. Paul talks about this even in Romans chapter 7. Let me see if I can quickly find it. I didn't think to read this specific passage, but let's see if I can quickly find um, Romans uh, 7 where Paul talks about being in bondage. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? You know, he's he's talking about a bondage. He says that I am a slave. I am enslaved to sin. That's what Paul says. Paul says, I am enslaved to sin. The good that I want to do, that I cannot do. And the bad that I don't want to do, that I will do. And then he comes to the conclusion on what the problem is. And he comes to the same logic, logical conclusion as what God came to when he looked at man's issue. And he says, who will save me from this body of death? So death is embodied in our mortal flesh. Who will save me from this body who is under the rule of death? And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. There is therefore because Jesus has delivered people's physical bodies from the rule of death so that we bodily can expect the resurrection from the dead, although we are still beholding mortality in our flesh. Although most of us, if Jesus doesn't return, all of us, that if Jesus doesn't return within the next hundred years, you know, we're going we, to be dead in our bodies. We're going to die. But what God did was he saw the fear of man for death. And then he said, let me give them the hope of eternal life. And he divines it in the resurrection so that they will not be in bondage to the body of sin, which means sin itself, sin and death, living in fear and the fruit of the flesh and all those kind of things. The fruit of a mortal body that doesn't have the hope of bodily immortality is defined in Galatians chapter 5. It is drunkenness, sexual immorality, hatred, bitterness, variance, emulation, strife, all those kind of things. That is the effect of not knowing you've got eternal life bodily. It doesn't matter how we soothe the mind with a thought of an afterlife 
on where you go when you die. If a human being cannot hear the message of eternal life to the, to the point that his body hears it, to the point that the cells inside his body hears that he has got eternal life in Jesus, you will find that people are in bondage and in slavery to the fruit of the flesh in their lives. That's the problem in this world. The problem in this world cannot be solved by reshuffling the uh, cabinet. That's not going to help. By getting a new president, by getting new people in, by changing laws and legislations and changing rules, uh, it's not going to give you any life or hope for you or your children or your children's children. The only hope there is, is the promise and the proof of eternal life, wherein people are not in the fear of death and in bondage to sin. Now, I want to say it this way. The Bible says that the sting of death is sin. That means death stings the human body with sin. That means if you're a mortal man and you are not under the hope of eternal life, what death and, and the, the thought of death brings to you is sin. That is how it works. That's God's logic about these things, and I'm going to explain it uh, this way. If if you think of humans, human beings don't want to die. What they want to veer away from is pain, because pain, if you've got pain all over your body, you, uh, the mind tells, tells you, man, you are going to die. You know, th something's wrong, you're not going to live long. You want to feel good. You want to feel healthy. You want to feel vibrant. You want to feel good. Why? Because you don't want death. Uh, people don't want to die. People say, no, but there are many people that want to die. It makes me think of the one preacher that says, that said, who of you want to go to heaven? Put up your hand. And uh, they put up their hand. And he says, who wants to go now? Nobody. Who of you wants to go to heaven? Everybody. Who wants to die? Nobody. Yet, everybody is going to die. So it means that what they don't want now Although they believe heaven might be a better place. In heaven there, there's no pain. In heaven there's no, heaven there's no discouragement. In heaven is everything that is good. But they don't want to die. It means that there is the fear of death is greater than the hope of a better place. That is basically what happens in the human mind. And anything in humans, what they want to do is, if death is over here, and death is defined in sickness, if you're very, very sick, you're going to die. If you don't have food, you're going to die. If you don't have shelter and warmth and normal survival things, you're going to die. What you want to do is you want to di distance yourself as far from death as possible. And that's going to be in prosperity. That's going to be in great health. That's going to be uh, pain means pain and discomfort means you're going to die. You want to be as comfortable as possible and all those kind of things. And then what you're going to do is, the more you can get f of this for yourself, the better. And that is the foundation from where we find stealing, bitterness, hatred, jealousy, and all those kind of things. Because now, by my own power, I don't believe that God is going to give 
physical eternal life to me. It is something where I'm going to go one day when I die. I don't see physical eternal life as mine and as a promise of the gospel. So what, what's now going to happen is I have to provide for these things myself. And in the fear of death, man has been subject to a life of sin which then manifests the death. The wages of sin is death. And this is how it works. Being under the rule of death, death brings forth sin in the flesh that then leads unto death itself. That's how it works. That's how this whole world works. That's why you find people want authority and power. Why? Because most of the time people want authority and power because they want to be in control they want to rule things so that they can be sure that they will have will be the furthest distanced from death itself because they're afraid of death. That is what the scripture teaches. It sounds like that. Are you even busy with the gospel? Yes, the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, which I will explain to you is the answer to all the problems in the world. Hallelujah. We are not condemned anymore to waiting for a news report whereby we can be happy. We are not condemned anymore to have feeling sad and overburdened and all those kind of things because of what's going on in governments and with other people, other people's decisions and what they do. No, we've got the promise of life. We are under the glory of God, the glory of eternal life that is about me as a physical human being. Let me say this to you. When the Bible talks about death here in, in, in Hebrews 2.15 and deliver them that through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage, he's talking about physical death. He's not talking about a spiritual death or anything of that. He's talking about a physical death. The problem is people want People are afraid of death and they don't see a promise of life. They don't understand the promise of life as truly life for them. They see themselves as a spirit living in a body. They don't see themselves as human beings. They don't see that God has come to give eternal life to them. They see themselves as excluded of eternal life uh, because of breaking the law or doing something wrong. They feel disqualified and they feel they need to provide for themselves. And that is what Paul was mentioning here. He says, the commandment, the law, that seemed to be unto life, I found was unto death. For the good that I want to do, I cannot do. And the bad that I don't want to do, that I do. I want to do something good, but I find another law. There's another principle in me. And that is that the moment you take mortal flesh and you try to use mortal flesh and, and apply a law to it, you just find that the mortality shows all the more. And then we come to the conclusion and we say, the law cannot save us. What we need is, we need the salvation of the physical body. We need somebody to be raised from the dead. We need, I need deliverance from death in the flesh. Who will help me? Paul says, and he comes to this beautiful good news, and he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. And because Christ was raised from the dead, I can declare unto you now that there is therefore now no more condemnation for you. 
Condemnation is not defined in how bad you feel when you do something wrong. Condemnation is defined in you are not condemned anymore to a life where you have to engage the willpower of the flesh, apply it to a law, try to do good, to just on a regular basis find that you see the fruit of the flesh in your life and you're condemned to misery and sadness and all those kind of things. You're condemned to the fruit of the flesh. You, we, there is no more condemnation where we are condemned to a life of anxiety and fear and bitterness where we have to try and save our nations uh, politically and through all these kind of things by our works and uh, right laws and all those. We're not condemned to that anymore. We have been assigned unto life as humans. Glory to God. Amen. So let's read this passage again. He was raised from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead physically that he might destroy him that had power over death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Deliver them that through fear of death. Man. There's so many cross-references here, but I'm not going to get into all of that. That through fear of death was subject. Let us go quickly to Romans 7. Romans 7, 14. Romans 7, 14. This is so, so powerful. I first want to read Romans 7, 4. It says, Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. So how do we become dead to the law? By the body of Christ. What does the law do? The Bible says in Romans 7 verse 9, uh, it says here, I was alive without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it slew me. So Paul's saying, listen man, my flesh is mortal and the, I, I don't want to die. That's what he also says in Hebrews. And I don't want to die. I want a way unto life. Maybe I'm going to live forever if I obey the law. But the more I obey the law, the more I see I cannot do the law. And the more I'm condemned by the law and the more sure I am that I will die. Who will save me from death? That is Paul's question. And then he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. For we know that the law is spiritual. But I'm carnal, sold under sin. So he says here, I'm carnal, I'm sold under sin. So I must now obey the law from my carnality, from my mortality. I must try and get life. I don't know how to do it. Who will deliver me from a dying body? That is what he's doing. Who's, who will deliver me from a body who's under the rulership of death? I thank God through Christ, who in him we believe that our bodies are now under the rulership of life. And nothing can separate us from this life. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what does he mean by that? What is the context there? Listen to what he says in verse 24. 7.24 O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this dying body or this body under the rule of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, I will receive deliverance from this, not 
not deliverance away from the body, but this body will be delivered from the rule of death, that we are under the rule of life. And nothing, no president, no COVID virus, no vaccine, no uh, communism, nothing can separate me from the rule of life over my flesh. And when we hear it to the point that our bodies hear it, you find that supernaturally, by the power of the resurrection, fear is removed from you. As what we are afraid to die, and that death has brought great works in our lives to distance ourselves from death, we will find that as we know, not just in our spirit, but our bodies know that we will live forever, you will find that you will have great, a great sacrificial life where you are not afraid to give of the life that you have to others. Because you're not hoarding life, you know you have all life, and from there you find love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness. That's how it works. Glory to God. People, these things might sound maybe a bit technical, but I tell you, once you understand this, and you start to read the Bible, you, the Bible just opens up. And more than that, life opens up to you. The fruit of the Spirit opens up to you. Peace opens up to you. You become fearless. You've got peace inside your heart. You think of this world and the things of this world, and it is not pu pushing you to this side of the boat, then to that side, and you're not anxious anymore. It takes that away. It does take it away, and I can testify of that. Let's read chapter 8.1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, uh, sorry man, I see the, the camera went off there. I hope it doesn't happen again. <clears throat> but anyway, um, so what it says here is, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin in the flesh, condemned sin in the flesh. So what did Jesus come to do? He came to condemn the weakness that's in the flesh, which is our mortality, he came to condemn that in the flesh because he became flesh and was raised as a physical human seated at the right hand of God and that is called the grace of God. It's not a message of who's guilty and who's not guilty. It's a message of the life that God brings to humanity. That is what it is all about. Glory to God. He says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh the, the law was weak because we are mortal beings that are dying. We don't have the ability to do it. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law, the life the law promised might be fulfilled in us who do not walk after the flesh, meaning who tries to find life by our own ability but after the Spirit, meaning living in the hope that the Spirit gives eternal life to my flesh and that I shall be raised in the last day or changed in the twinkling of an eye. That is what Paul is saying. Paul is trying to explain something here. Romans 7 says, 
and he likens it to marriage. He says that through the body of Jesus, we became dead to the law. Not through the spirit, through the spirit of Jesus, through the body of Jesus, we became dead to the law. Because life came to a physical body, the body of Jesus. And we can now believe upon the Spirit of God on physical flesh. We stand back and we're not using our own ability in mortal flesh to attain unto life. But our flesh rests in the hope of eternal life. And because our flesh is resting, our flesh is not trying to produce. Our flesh is sitting back, resting in God. We find that the flesh does not produce its fruit, but we find that the hope of of eternal life by the Spirit is produced in flesh and we find love and kindness and goodness and all those kind of things. That is what Paul is saying here. And he says there that when, through the body of Jesus we became dead to the law so that we might be married to another, even the one that was raised from the dead. Now, how does the one look that's raised from the dead? He's a physical human being that, is, that, is, that, that was in a grave, that's not in a grave, that's physically raised from the dead, that has got a body that fully lives by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't live by, by things like food and oxygen and those kind of things. And that is the source of life that's now in our bodies, where our bodies now have the surety that we shall also live forever uh, not needing food, not needing oxygen, not needing any of those things. The moment your body starts to believe that that is the destiny of the body, you'll find that the body finds no need to, it starts to show signs of that belief. It stops to hoard. It shares. It is kind. And that is the solution for the problems of the world, man. How can you find that, uh, <clears throat> you know, how can you find people, if you think, I mean, this is a very good example. You look at the, the English, the Portuguese, the French. I mean, those are uh, people with small countries. And then they needed resources because they were afraid that they're not going to be anymore as a nation. Let me tell you, this is true for individuals. This is true for couples. This is true for families. And this is true for nations as well. And this can become true for the world as well. That means uh, that an individual will want some life from another individual protecting his own life. But then you'll find one family trying to protect the family and they'll want life from another family. They will first care for themselves. They will first distance themselves from death as far as possible before they will see uh, someone else being distanced. That's how, how this thing works. And that's even true for the planet. If we find other planets and there are other life there, the first thing you're going to find is that our army must be right because they know that those people are afraid of death and they'll want our resources or we will plan to get their resources. We will not call it a battle or war for resources. We will say we're helping them and we exchange certain things for them, but we'll exploit them to the point that we can live longer, even if it's if we must see their destruction. That's what happened with the English. 
That's what happened with the French. That's, hap- that's what happened because the problem is a fear of death, not knowing the, the very fibers of the being of a human, not knowing that he's got eternal life. And the church did not have a message that could speak to the needs of man. We spoke to uh, some spiritual things in man. We said, no, your spirit is all right, but that's not where we live. We live in a physical world. We've got a real world here. And that is where the problems are. That's where our political problems are. That's where the needs are. And we didn't have a gospel. Or let me put it this way. God provided a gospel, but we didn't understand that gospel. And we offer things to people that cannot give their flesh rest. That is just the way it is. So it says here, in Romans Chapter 8, it says that God has come, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh are mindful of the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now what that basically means is this. Those who are after the flesh are those who are not mindful that the Spirit of God raised the physical Jesus from the dead and that His Spirit is now on our flesh from where we know, we know that we will be in a condition that our flesh has got the promise and the first proof of that promise that we will be in a condition one day where we will have no need for physical food, no need for oxygen to live because the source of all life will be inside us and we live from the power of God. That is what we under. We who believe that as Christians, we live by that spirit. And we find that the Spirit of God therefore then dwells in us, which is one of kindness and goodness and peace and all those kind of things, because we live and we fellowship with God in eternal life. We're not fellowshipping in death. We don't think of death. We don't think of temporal. We know uh, eternal. Eternality is written into every fiber of our being. And from there we reason. Like with John, come up higher. Jesus says, come up higher. Come and reason from a higher level. About my life. It's the, my physical life. That's what it means. My hope of eternal life. That's what he's talking about. That's what Paul was mindful of. To go and read uh, Philippians chapter 3. Says, Those who are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh. But those who are of the Spirit are things of the Spirit. Or to be, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So how will we have life and peace in the earth? To be spiritually minded. What does spiritually minded mean? Does it mean to be mindful of your spirit? No. It's to be mindful of the spirit that raised Christ from the dead and that this physical Christ has now poured out his spirit on my flesh which gives my flesh the hope of eternal life. That is what spiritually minded means. And to be spiritually minded is life and peace in this world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
That is just what it is. But Bertie, we need to change some laws and things are going to go better. It doesn't matter what law you bring to a country. You're going to see that that law points you to your carnality and man's inability to do it. The very lawmaker cannot do, do the law he's making. And he finds that after he's made his law, he finds the weakness in his flesh. And then he, at the end of the day, if he's honest with himself, will say, wretched man that I am, I am just a mortal man and I've got an inability in my flesh and I can therefore see no life come to me. I'm afraid of death. And as I'm afraid of death, I might think, Let's, let me try another law that might make it easier for me. But I cannot find that I can even do any of this. Who will save me from death? That's the question. And then when we look into history, we find an empty grave where the man that has died was raised from the dead and then ascended on high from where he rules to bring this very same life to all of us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I had somebody, I see somebody put on a Facebook a message where they take a picture of the EFF. Now, I don't know if some of you that are overseas will not know who the EFF is. It's the Economic Freedom Fighters. They try to fight for economic freedom. And the reason why you want economic freedom is because you think that if you are free to have more money, then you can live longer. And the reason you want to live longer is you want to distance yourself from death because you're still afraid of death. And fighting in economic freedom, they do a lot of things that is not good. And now we find people in the church looking at economic freedom, freedom fighters and uh, the government is kind of scared of them because if, if they don't get their way, they, they burn places, man. It's, it's terrible. Or some of their supporters burn places. They will say, we don't stand for that. But the supporters do that. And people are scared. Now they had a, a riot or something somewhere or a, a protest and there's a thousand of them and nobody is doing social distancing. And now we find the church saying, that's not fair. Why does the government clamp down on us when we don't social distance, but not on them? And now feeling that righteousness must now come. I've got good news for you. You will not be as the church condemned to find your joy in how the government deals with uh, uh, groups that has got some violence. When you understand that you've got eternal life, they're not taking life from you and the government cannot offer you life. The government cannot give you life. If you understand this message, uh, clamp down or not, uh, if you understand this message, 50 people, social distancing, all those kind of things cannot take your joy. It cannot take away your peace. It cannot take away your righteousness. And you will not be looking at all those things and um, voicing all those things all the time. There's enough bad news in this world. What people need to hear is that somebody has conquered death in the flesh because that is what everybody is seeking after. They want to know that they can have life, but there's no assurance of life. And when the church preach life, they preach it towards the spirit and not towards where the real issue is, which God addressed in the empty grave and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's called the gospel of grace. If the gospel of grace, if this message was understood by me much earlier in my life, you would have heard, uh, uh, I mean, if I understood it, if I got saved under it and understood it that way, I would never have fallen into works righteousness. 
Never. I would never have walked this whole thing that I've walked with penal substitution and all these kind of different doctrines and all those kind of things. I would have had peace long ago. Now I've had it for a very long time, but I would have had it from day one. This message and this truth is what the world needs. They need perfect love. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. Let's go and read that and bring that into this. We need to remember that John and Peter and Paul and James and all these people, they defined the love of God as what God did to give eternal life to the physical body, to humans, to let them inherit the earth, to let them live forever, where God basically says, I've come to move in with you. What we, you know, when you love somebody, I I think of uh, my son. In, in Pretoria. My other two sons are here now. But I think of my son in Pretoria. Every now and then I'm thinking on how can I go and visit him? How can I go and visit him? But then he says, Dad, I'm coming to visit you. And that is so wonderful because when he comes, he brings who he is. He brings his life to my house. His life, who he is, his smile on his face, his personality shapes my, my life. Now, the very same thing with God. God, who is in heaven, we, we say, we want to go and visit you. God says, listen, I'm coming to visit you. Heaven is coming to earth. And this eternal life, this immortality is coming to earth. And it will then shape the way you live with life in every fiber of your being. And I'm not just coming to visit, I'm moving in forever. And all of what you are will have the fullness of God. That is the promise. As we believe this and we see the proof of this in the resurrected Jesus Christ, and our flesh can hear this, our flesh will be satisfied with life. Uh, And the indulgence that there is in the flesh to try and hoard life for itself from different things will not be there anymore. It will be gone. And we'll find that we love. We find that we are kind. We find that we are generous. We find that we are peaceful. We find that when we think of business and what we do in this world, our work, we work for our boss, we will work as one that doesn't find life from the boss, but from God. We'll be the best workers there are in the world. Not because we try to obey God, but because we have the very life of God. We know that the boss is not what keeps me alive. I want to just say this. I'm not saying that every person that has a job or every person that does business do it because he's hoarding up for himself. I'm not saying that. There are many people that has believed upon the love of God, that's believed upon the goodness of God, where the the way he works, the, the, the success that he's reached in his business is because of the life of God in him. The success that he reached in his, uh, um, where he works for the boss that he works for, is because of the life of God, not because he tries to build life for himself. Please understand that. You will find, and I do believe, that as we believe this message, even in our businesses, we can become much more successful financially because the way we do things will not be in a way where um where we 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 steer our businesses or our job in a way that is detrimental for us where we make many wrong decisions 
but we will make decisions based on life, and it brings life. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I wanted to read a, a, a scripture now for God, which, oh, First John, let's go there. I've got a few minutes left. And the Stevie wants to switch off. Let me just see if I've got the, excuse me. Um, but my monitor wanted to switch off. Uh, and then I will not be able to see the timer. First John, chapter 4. Listen to this. Talking about exactly what we are saying now all the time here. <clears throat> it says there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. What's the fear that he's talking about? He's talking about the fear of death. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the punishment there talks about Adam and Eve and you have not uh, believed in the life of God and the punishment is then death. So what he's saying here, perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with the death sentence that was on Adam. Fear, the reason why we fear is because of death. We're fearing death. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. He doesn't see himself perfected in every part of himself, including the physical body, um, in the love of God, which was to raise Jesus from the dead. That's what that means. Now it says, we love, we love, we care for others. Why? Because he first loved us and gave life to us. We now give life to other people. We see that it can be well with them. We care for other people. Why? Because we ourselves have been delivered by the perfect love of God, which brings perfection to our complete human beings in offering us eternal life as humans. We who fear have not been made perfect in love. We don't see the resurrection as the perfection of us. That is what he is saying there. Hebrews 5, verse 7. Let me read this. Jesus, during the days of his life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience uh, through suffering. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation. Once Jesus was made perfect. How was Jesus made perfect? Bodily. How? When he was raised from the dead. Now, he who still live in fear today and have the fruit of fear, the fruit of the flesh, trying to bring life to him is because he has not seen himself perfected. Perfected defined as an empty grave. That's what he's talking about. Mm -mm -mm. This is so, so powerful. I think in one, one more scripture, Hebrews 7. What man needs is an eternal, immortal, or a promise of immortality. That's what humans need. No, Bertie, I don't need that. I'm not afraid of death. Stop to lie. I've, I've never been afraid of death. That, that's a lie. 
it is a lie. If I close your nose and mouth, we'll see if you're afraid of death. Get on an aeroplane and let the engine die. You'll see. That's it. You'll be afraid of death. There's a natural thing about humans where they, where they feel that. But we, as we who believe in Jesus, we have put our hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We find that there is a fearlessness that comes to us. I do also believe that this message can become so powerful in us that even if the engine die, you will not be afraid because you know you've got eternal life. I can testify of that. I can tell you now, I can testify of that. I was in an airplane when the engine died. And when the engine died, I just said, Jesus, Jesus. And I can think back of that time. There was something going on inside me where there was an inner peace. And the engine died. We fell a thousand or thousand five hundred feet. I don't know. They got the engine going again. And while it was one of these engines with a propellers, those small little things, and below us were only rocks, mountains, terrible. The scripture clearly states that we need a certain high priest that can help us. And it's mentioned here in Hebrews 7.26. Such a high priest truly meets our needs. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens, unlike any other high priest that needs a sacrifice for his own sin because he is dying. Verse 24. But because Jesus lives, but because he permanently lives. He's got a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Intercede means to bridge the gap between life and death so that we can have life. That's the intercession. That's the high priest we needed. God knew that's what man needs because he knew that all the sin that's in the world, all the corruption in this world is because of only one thing, and that is the fear of physically dying. You can try and soothe your mind by saying that you've got some eternal life in some form or fashion like Socrates, but your body is afraid and your body will have actions that it will show wherein there's a law in your members where the body of death wants to live and the body of death that wants to live brings forth fruit unto death called the fruit of the flesh that's why the answer is an empty grave because have you ever considered that the God of all might, the God of all power, the God of all justice, the God of all love, the God of all kindness has looked at everything in the world and he came up with a plan on how to solve the problems of the world and that's an empty grave raising a physical man from the dead, why would that be the solution? Because death is the problem. But that is death the problem? Well, go and read Genesis chapter 3. Adam didn't, didn't believe what God told him. He started to live in his mortality and God said to him, surely you will die and return to the dust of the earth. You'll die. That's it. 
And from that time, death ruled over man. And man was seeking in his own power a way unto life by his own flesh. And in the fear of death, we find wars, rumors of wars, all these evil things, whatever could have happened because people want to live. And they are afraid of death. And then God came in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin to condemn sin in the flesh. The death that comes forth in our flesh and offer us eternal life. That's the answer. So that who? Those who believe in this message, they find, those who believe this gospel, they find their flesh at rest as pertaining to the to its actions of death in this world. For we found a new source of life. The spirit on flesh. And not flesh doing things. Glory to God. That's what Jesus tried to say in Matthew 6. He says, he says basically seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Don't you know you've, you have a heavenly father that will give you life? That is what he's trying to say. And he brought it to the physical things of this world. If we can start to realize that we're trying to make a living and that a living is offered, we will find that the living we have will be something completely different. I want to end off with this. Romans 8. What is perfect love? Perfect love is the resurrection wherein we are living we we have the promise of eternal life for god so loved the world that he gave his son that we will not perish but have everlasting life can you see the love of god defined by john is has got something to do with the resurrection now we end off with romans 8 and there's so many other scriptures that i wanted to, to do but we just stick to these romans chapter 8 Now in all these things, because one might say, Bertie, I'm going through a difficult time. Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How did he love us? By being raised, offering us eternal life. What shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If we read from verse 28, I mean, there's so many. And we know that in all things, all things God works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What was his purpose? To give us eternal life. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. What is the image of his son? To the, exactly what Jesus Christ is today, raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of God. We've been called unto that. That's what it is. He says, we, we have been called unto, unto that. He says here that uh, what shall we say about all these things? The fact that we have been called unto that, that we have been predestined, that he also had predestined us to his calling and that he called us and that he justified us and that he will glorify us. He says, what can we say about all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He's talking about eternal life. If people are against us and they even kill us, they cannot be against us in the sense that they cannot conquer what God has done. He's conquered death, man. Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor demon, neither a political leader, neither something present, nor something that will still come in the future, some wicked guy changing the constitution in the future, uh, nothing can separate us, neither powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that there is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Which is that? What, what is that love? To give me eternal life. Can you see how Paul's body, his whole being, has heard the message of the resurrection, the life of God, the love of God? He's heard it to the point that he says, nothing that happens to me in this world can separate me from this. Now, if we have come to this conclusion, as Paul has come to this conclusion, I think we will be less bothered by what's happening in this world as pertaining to having all the news reports and all these kind of things throw us off course, bring fear to our hearts and all this. We will not be condemned anymore to lives that is born from, from this world. We will, be, we will not be worldly-minded. We will be kingdom-minded, life-minded. This is the gospel, man. I've got very good news for you. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He can never sin. He can never die. And he offers his flesh as your food. As we eat and feast on the immortality, the full glorification, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, we find that we are complete. Let us listen to this message until the fiber of our beings hear it. Let us listen to this, that our body hear it, that your hands and your feet and your stomach and your shoulders and your whole body hears this. I don't know how to say it. There's no other word that I know. I wish I was more eloquent. Uh, in speaking to give better utterance to this. Let us hear it to the, to, the, to the point that we don't try to distance ourselves from death because we find He has distanced us. Therefore, we are not busy with the things that the world is busy with in trying to distance themselves from death. We find that His provision provides for us. We find that His life provides for us. We find that I, I don't have to distance myself from death in trying to water down the gospel because uh, my life is not found in how many people support me. The threat of death. Bertie, if you speak the truth, people's not going to support you. And okay, that means if I don't have support, it means I come closer to death. I don't fear death anymore. That gives me a boldness, man. Glory to God. Gives me no fear. Gives me a, a love wherewith I can love. I can love people enough to preach the true gospel to them. But better, you know, they're not going to invite you anymore. Life is not on the other side of people inviting me. Life is on the other side of Jesus Christ being raised from the dead. And I want to just say, many invite. <laughs> Glory to God. Many want to hear this good news. Glory, tired of fear of death. Seeing what things are, wanting abundance of life, knowing that it is in Jesus Christ alone. Glory to God. Well, I want to thank you so much that I could have ministered this message to you and bring you the gospel of grace. We'll just hammer away more on this gospel and preach it 
in this week to come. I also just want to say this. I do make daily devotionals, and it's daily as long as what I, in that day, feel share something. Uh, I'm not going to share something because I feel that I need to just do it because that is the way. If I feel something in my heart, this is something burning in my heart, you can know it's coming from life. I'm not giving that message to get life. I have life. And as I have that, I share as I feel it in my heart. So most of the days I make these messages. I would say most, most of the time it, I, the one goes out every day, um, Mondays to, to, to Fridays. Uh, but in this week to come, you're just going to hear more of these messages. This is what I'm going to talk about. This is what I'm going to preach about. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ that can afford the fruit of the Spirit. You are deeply loved by God. God bless.